All right, let's begin. Uh, please turn to Romans chapter 2, page 940. We're going to continue today our journey through the book of Romans, which was written by a man named Paul. And he was radically transformed by the power of God. Paul was called Saul before he was transformed by Jesus. And he was a man, the Bible says, with a murderous heart. Paul had a murderous heart. And he had made it his life mission to destroy the church. See, after Jesus went to the cross, was buried in the grave, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit to us, after all that happened, the church began to grow exponentially. And right alongside this growing exponential church was Saul. And he had a murderous heart, and he wanted to destroy the church. So as soon as the church began, there was Saul to destroy the church. Have you ever been in that situation? God puts on your heart a desire, a plan, a goal, a dream, and you begin to pursue it with a passion, but there's a person or a group of people going right alongside you trying to stop you every step of the way. Well, this is what Saul was doing to the church, except he had a murderous heart. And so Saul was trying to destroy the followers of Jesus, and then he met Jesus. And I would, I would encourage you, read Acts chapter 9 sometime this week. It's, the, it's Paul's testimony of how Jesus transformed his life. So read that sometime this week. Acts chapter 9, take you maybe five or six minutes, and you'll read about how Jesus changed this man who had a murderous heart. He went from a man with a murderous heart to a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel. Now, when we hear Paul's testimony of his conversion from destroyer of Christians to a servant of Christ Jesus, we should be encouraged in our faith. Because if God can change a person like Saul, he can change anyone. If Jesus can transform a man like Saul, he can certainly transform, and you can fill in the blank. There's someone in your life that you probably go, nah, uh, uh, Jesus could never reach that person. Not true. He changed Saul's heart. He can change anyone's. If Jesus can transform a man like Saul, he can certainly transform an abusive parent. That was good timing. Let's see if we can go for a second one. Another cool ringtone. A wayward child. Oh, okay. And an angry coworker. <laughs> you got some of those, huh? If Jesus can transform a man like Saul, he can certainly transform any one of us, and anyone we know. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've already been transformed by the gospel, the good news of Jesus. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We read that in Romans chapter 1. And as a follower of Jesus, you're growing in your believing, trusting, faithful 
faith. And what does a believing, trusting, faithful faith lead to? A dangerous faith. A dangerous faith is when we step out of our comfort zones into the brokenness of the world around us. Maybe that's the brokenness in your school. Maybe that's the brokenness in your family. Maybe that's the brokenness in District 1 of Cleveland. We become dangerous when we use our freedom in Christ to descend into the darkness to help others get to the light. So dangerous faith is when our lives are no longer about ourselves and we join God in his rescue mission. When we look at people, the people around us, what do we see? Do we see problems or do we see potential? Do we see people who will suck the life out of you or do we see people who need to experience the life that we have in Jesus Christ? Do we see failure or do we have faith that God is at work? When we think about or interact with another person, how do we see them? How do we judge them? Today as we study Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, and we listen for God to speak, we want the Holy Spirit to dramatically influence the way we think about others, the way we act towards each other, to others, and the way we interact with others. We want the Holy Spirit to change us. So our message title today is, Don't Judge Them, Judge Yourself. Like, oh wow, I can't wait to hear this message. <laughs> Sounds pretty heavy. Let's watch this short video to get started. Mr. Jackson. I'm Mrs. Kilmer. How are you today? I'm fine, and you? I'm fine, thank you, just keeping busy. Have a seat. What brings you to our office today? Well, I was just driving by and thought I'd stop in. Is your husband available? No, I'm sorry, he's not. He's actually at a pastor's meeting. He attends a couple of those every week for our ministry. Well, Mrs. Kilmer, being a member on the board of your ministry, I have to say that you and your husband need to operate in a more professional manner. Well, we certainly do the best that we can. Well, this ministry that you have, what would you say is the most important aspect of its marketing? I'm sorry? How do you get your business? Oh, from churches. Exactly. And what is the main source of letting these churches and people know about what you have? Direct mailings. And how many mailings a year do you do? About six. Six. And is this letter part of the most recent ones you just sent out? I believe so. Well, Mrs. Kilmer, I was at a church today, and I saw this sitting on a secretary's desk. And I asked her if I could have it, just so I could bring it to you. I'm not sure I understand. Mrs. Kilmer, take a good look at that letter, please. Okay. Take a good look at it. Yes. Do all of your letters go out looking like that? 
Like what, sir? Look at that label. It's on there any old way. And it's more in the wrong direction than it is the right direction. Mrs. Kilmer, do you not know that appearance is everything when it comes to being a professional in business? I'm a businessman, and I work in marketing. And believe me, appearance is what marketing is all about. You and your husband need to do a much better job when it comes to these mailings. That is awful. That would never go out of my office looking like that. Very sorry, sir. Well, sorry doesn't help you get business, now does it? You just need to be more mindful about what you do around here. And you need to make sure those mailings look professional or don't send them out at all. I hear what you're saying. Do you do these yourself? No, we use a mailing service. A mailing service? Well, they need to be fired, because that is terrible. Do they all go out looking like this? I don't know. Probably. You don't know? Well, Mrs. Kilmer, if I were you, I would be on that phone right now, calling that mailing service, and I'd be finding out what's going on. I know what's going on. Do you? Well, if you do, would you please give me one good reason why your ministry would send a letter out looking like this? The people who do our mailings are students from the School for the Blind. They called us and asked us if we had any small jobs for their students to do, because no one else would help them out. And this was the only job that we could find for them to do. I realized that the label isn't on there straight, but we were trying to help the students out. Right. So, how many of us have been in a similar situation as Mrs. Kilmore? Been on the receiving end of something like that? That's the easy question. Now it's time to be real. How many of us have thought, acted, or interacted in a similar way as Mr. Jackson in the video? No, you don't have to raise your hands. This is in confession. I think it's safe to say that we've all been on both sides of that desk in different ways. Today, God wants us to see that he needs us to avoid judging others and instead judge ourselves. When we avoid judging others and instead judge ourselves, our faith becomes dangerous. To the evil, the brokenness, and the despair in this world. Part of the gospel is the truth that we are all sinful people. And God has revealed himself to us, and we have no excuse not to turn to him for salvation, for rescue. When you call 911, this seems like a fitting story for the day. When you call 911 and the first responders come to you, they're, they're clearly identified. Police officers, firemen, EMS, uh, they're clearly identified. But if you call 911 and a, a guy in, a, in a, you know, a long black trench coat and a, a mask over his head comes to the door and knocks, he's probably not the guy that you want to let in to your house. See, God has made it clear who he is. In chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, 
For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So we are without excuse. And so this is where Paul begins in Romans chapter 2. He says this, the first three verses. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? So when we pass judgment on another person, what we're doing is this. We look at that small part of their life that we know about, right? And we only know very little about most people. And we see some sinful behavior. And then, and this is the most important part, and then we take God's place and we pass judgment. We see them as a dirty, rotten sinner. And then we condemn them to pay the price for their sin. And then we go even one step further. We decide that we will carry out the punishment and make them pay for their sin. Back in August, I tried to lift a hot, heavy object in a, in a way that wasn't very smart. In other words, in a dumb way. And I paid a price. I, I uh, tore the distal bicep tendon off one of the bones in my forearm. And it hurt. <laughs> and so I went to the doctor, and I explained what happened. He looked at me. He shook his head. He called me an idiot. And he said, there's no hope for you. You deserve what you got. And he walked out of the office. He didn't actually do that. I fooled you guys. That's a first. He showed sympathy. He did his part in the healing process by operating on my arm, reattaching the tendon to the bone, and I'm doing really good now. But if he did call me an idiot and walked away from me, do you think I would have let him operate on my arm? No, I would have gotten a second opinion. Absolutely would have gotten a second opinion. When we pass judgment on others, we'd be like that doctor. And we would push that person away from the healing power of the living God. They would look for, if you will, a second opinion. I don't want to, anything to do with that person's Jesus. I'll go find somewhere else to find peace and comfort. So when we pass judgment on someone, we are seeing their sin, we're shaking our heads, we're believing there is no hope for them, and believing that they should pay the price for their sin instead of experience God's mercy. And that's sin. Paul says it this way, for it is passing judgment, for it is passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. 
and passing judgment blinds us to our own sin. What happens when we pass judgment on others is that we develop a superior view of ourselves. We look around, we see all the dirty, rotten sinners, and then we look in the mirror and we see how amazing we are. When we pass judgment on others, we blind ourselves to our own sin. A couple of Fridays ago, I was at uh, Eli Harrison's wrestling match. Stand up, Eli. Eli's the uh, heavyweight. Uh, no, 220, 220 uh, for Mayfield. Awesome wrestler. Uh, he did great. He won his match in overtime. It was great. I mean, it was an awesome match. Good job. It's all on videotape. Is it on YouTube yet? Did your folks put on YouTube? No? Okay. But there was another guy who, not the person he wrestled against, but this other guy wrestled uh, from, from the other team, and uh, he got pinned. And that's one of the most humiliating things you can ever experience. I know. I was pinned a lot. And uh, so he gets pinned, but the match is over. He jumps up. You know, the ref goes like this to the other guy's hand, and he stomps off, and he throws his headgear up across the mat and he stomps out of the gym slams the door you know makes this big scene because the ref made a bad call he didn't really get pinned it was the ref's fault so this young man rages against the referee and by raging against the referee it prevented him from learning from his mistake Referee didn't put him on his back in a double arm bar. He managed to do that all by himself with a little help from the guy he was wrestling. And he had to learn how to avoid that in the future. But because he blamed his pin on the referee, instead of recognizing his own mistake, he'll never learn. When we pass judgment on others, we are blinded to our own sin. However, passing judgment does not blind God to our own sin. And that sounds like bad news, but that's really good news, that God is not blinded by our sin. God sees our sin, and he does not let us escape. He continues to work in us. And work on us to become more like him. And that's what verse 4 and 5 are about. Verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. God is so merciful. Did you hear that? He richly, abundantly pours out his kindness, his forbearance, and his patience on us. Jesus explained um, his kindness with these words. Matthew 5, verse 45. For God makes his son, S-U-N, rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain and snow on the just and the unjust. This is God's kindness. He's kind to everyone. Forbearance describes God's restraint. He does not give us 
what we deserve. And we all know what patience is. And we all know, we all know, we all need more patience. Amen? Okay, good. Thank you for being patient with me. So God is patient. When he led the Israelites out of Egypt, in just a little less than, I think, two years, they, he led them to the promised land, and they got to the promised land, and they said, no, we're not going into the promised land because it is too dangerous. So God was patient with them for another 38 years, 40 years total, before he brought them back to the promised land. In Acts 13, 18, it says, And for about 40 years, God put up with them, put up with the Israelites in the wilderness. That's a long time to put up with somebody who's rebellious. 40 years. I wrote in my journal yesterday, I'm thankful, this is what I wrote, I'm thankful that the Lord puts up with me like he put up with the Hebrews in the wilderness. So our God is merciful toward each one of us. He is kind, forbearing, and patient as he deals with us. And the purpose of his mercy is to lead us to repentance. And so, how do we respond to God's mercy? His kindness should lead us to repentance. Repentance is when we look at ourselves, when we judge ourselves, and we recognize that we have sin in our lives, and we need to confess the sin in our life to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so we walk away from that sin and we walk on the path that God has set before us. This is repentance. Turning from our sin and turning back to our God who shows us kindness and forbearance and patience. And so God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. However, there's often another response to God's mercy. The other response is self-indulgence. We presume on, we take advantage of God's kindness, his forbearance, and his patience. And we keep doing what we want to do, thinking that we can get away with it because God is what? Kind and forbearing and patient. That was always a dilemma. Well, not for me, but other parents. It was always a dilemma. How patient are you before you apply some Thank you. See, you all had that problem. I didn't have that issue. No. no, I have amazing children. They're awesome. Paul makes it clear. The path of self-indulgent, doing whatever we want, causes a hard heart that eventually will refuse to repent. So the message of verse 4 and 5 is for us to judge ourselves, recognizing our sin, turning to God for forgiveness and transportation. So we say, don't judge others. Did I say something wrong? Transportation? Transformation. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have carpools on the way home because I think it snowed another three feet since we've been here. So, so the message is don't judge others, judge yourself. Sorry, Caden. That's the truth, buddy. <laughs> So we are to judge ourselves and not others. And in verse 6 through 10, Paul tells us the outcome of God's judgment on his followers and on those who choose not to follow him. Romans 2, verse 6 through 10. 
He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jews first and also the Greek, meaning everyone. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. It says he will render to each one according to his works. Now this is the danger of looking at just a little passage of Scripture without explaining the big picture. So Paul is not saying that you earn God's love by your works. What he's saying is, if you are a follower of Jesus, your life will bear the kind of fruit that looks like good works. Does that make sense? So for the follower of Jesus is eternal life. Those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality he will give eternal life. Patience in well-doing is the fruit of a believing, trusting, faithful, and dangerous faith, and it leads to eternal life. So following Jesus also leads to glory and honor and peace that comes from God. Not our glory, not our honor, but a glory and an honor and a peace that come from God to us. And then he says, He will render to each one according to his works, for the non-follower of Jesus, eternal separation from God. This is how Paul describes in verse 8 and 9. Listen to how awful this is. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. The Jew first and also the Greek, a way of saying everyone who's ever lived, ever will live. So do you hear what God is saying through Paul? Let me read those words again. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, those, uh, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. Wrath, fury, tribulation, and distress. That is terrible. That is awful. And so we should ask, well, what can be done? Well, what has God done already to provide an escape for wrath, fury, tribulation, and distress? We read part of it in Romans chapter 1. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So God has made it plain, so there's no excuse not to turn to him. That's one thing God has done. And also, God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to the cross to pay for sins so we could escape wrath and fury and tribulation and distress. That's what God did. The Father sent His Son to pay for our sins on the cross. That's what God did. What can followers of Jesus do to join him in helping others escape wrath and fury and tribulation and distress, right? Because we don't want anyone to be in that situation. 
So what can we do? Well, verse 11, it says, For God shows no partiality. So this is a place to start. God shows no partiality. So every human being is created in the image of God. No one you know is not created in the image of God. They may not look anything like God, but they were created in the image of God. Every human being is sinful and separated from God. That's an easy one. We get that, don't we? Unless we're looking in the mirror sometimes. Every human being is sinful and separated from God. Every human being is offered by God an escape from the wrath, fury, tribulation, and distress that comes with that sin. Every human being is offered it. There's no one so evil that they're not offered an escape. Saul was offered an escape. The man with a murderous heart who wanted to destroy the church. And every human being who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then finally, God shows no partiality. The gospel applies to everyone, right? We know that, right? We know that even the angry coworker, the gospel applies to that angry coworker. And so Paul told us in chapter 1, the righteous shall live by faith. The followers of Christ shall live by faith. So the believing, trusting, faithful follower of Jesus can help people escape the wrath, the fury, the tribulation, and the distress that comes with their sin by having a dangerous faith that says, I will not judge them, but I will judge myself. I will not judge them, I will judge myself. So the path of judging myself looks like this. First, judge myself. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's what I mean when I say judge myself, not judge myself. I'm terrible. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'll never succeed. Everything's just bad. I might as well disengage from life. That's not judging yourself. Judging yourself is saying, God, I I need you to show me and to lead me out of the mess that I'm trying to make of my life. So we judge ourselves by recognizing that we sin. And we need God to show us our sin and lead us out of it. And then we repent. That this path of judging ourselves leads to repentance. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we experience God's mercy. When we turn to God in repentance, we will experience His kindness, His forbearance, and his patience, and we will experience the Holy Spirit working in us. Then, like we talked about last week, we've asked God to show us, we've repented, we've received God's mercy, and then we become, our, our, our believing, trusting, faithful faith becomes dangerous. And we become the right people at the right place, in the right time. At Tara's graduation party for, it was a party the, the, the class put on for themselves. Um, one of the uh, 
one of the other new officers was telling Danny uh, some stories about Tara. And I'm sure we haven't heard all the good ones yet. But one of the things, th this, this guy was the one that, the, what do you call it, Tara, when you had to, like, do the battle, uh, Red Man, or uh, when you had to duke it out with him? What's that? No, that's what he is, but the, when you guys did the training, didn't you have to fight him or whatever? No, you didn't have to fight him. All right, never mind. Anyway, that's a different story. So anyway, this guy came up to Danny and, and told Danny some stories, and one of the things he said was, Tara tried to make our whole academy Christians. And she didn't have to say anything. It was the way she acted. We want to be the right people at the right place, at the right time. And we do it by judging ourselves, repenting from our sin, experiencing God's mercy, and then we can connect others to Jesus. Now there is a second path we can choose, and it's an ugly path. It's the path of judging others. And it goes like this. Judge others. We see their problems, their failures, and their sin. And then we condemn them for their sin. We pass judgment. There is no hope for them. They deserve whatever consequences they get. And then we show them our wrath. Not only do they deserve wrath, fury, tribulation, and distress, we are happy for that wrath to come from us. And the outcome is we push them away from Jesus. I think we can all agree that is a very ugly path for any of us to take. Remember the video? How could that conversation have gone different? Mr. Jackson entered the office, I'll say, with a murderous heart. He was going to make someone pay for that unprofessional, crooked label. Perhaps it could have, he could have entered into the office with a different kind of heart, a heart of mercy. Maybe it could have gone like this. Hello, Mrs. Kilmore. Thank you for the great job you're doing in this ministry. Is there anything I can help with? Hey, I'm curious about something. Who puts those mailings together for you? Oh, students from the School of the Blind. That is so awesome. Maybe in your next newsletter you could let people know that they are partnering with you and they're the ones who do the great job of putting your mailings together. Have a good day, Mrs. Kilmore. And as he would walk out to his car, Mr. Jackson would be thanking God for showing him that he should judge himself rather than others. And Mrs. Kilmore probably would think at the end of that kind of conversation, oh, that master, Mr. Jackson, he's so kind and forbearing and patient. On Monday morning, we will enter into the darkness and we'll have a choice. Judge others or judge ourselves. I think we would all agree that we should, would all agree that we should trade up and live dangerous a dangerous faith by not judging others and instead judge ourselves. Let's pray.
Lord, we, uh, Lord, we want to have a dangerous faith. Not a dangerous faith that's a danger to others that pushes people away from Jesus, but a dangerous faith that draws people to Jesus. And so, Lord, search our hearts. Show us. Show us the stuff in our lives that needs to go so that others would come to you. Lord, we do want to see the atmosphere change, not the, not the weather. But the, well, we want to see the weather change too, Lord, but, but we want to see the atmosphere in our culture change. And Lord, we want to be people filled with mercy, kindness, forbearance, and patience. Whether we're making a traffic stop or responding uh, to someone who's injured or sitting in math class or having a conversation at work, at lunch, or dealing with an irate boss who, who missed his numbers for the quarter. Whoever it might be, Lord, we, we want to be patient, forbearing, kind people so that they see Jesus in us. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now, and for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.